0: I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, Episode 2, The Secret to Really Helping Your Kid When Life Throws a Curveball Their Way. So the big question is this, how do parents like us know that we aren't messing up the biggest role of our lives, especially when we happen to have a strong-willed child that's constantly pushing our buttons? We've all heard that kids don't come with a manual, so how can we know for sure that we're saying the right things or that we're getting this parenting thing right? Well, on this podcast for parents of toddlers to teens, we'll be giving you real tools you can use right away so that your kids will feel like they can talk to you about absolutely anything and everything. My name's Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. Well, hi, you guys. Welcome to episode two of the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we're all about changing the conversations in our homes to ones that are communicative, collaborative, and connecting. There's a mouthful for you. I love alliteration, communicative, collaborative, and connecting. So in this episode, I'm going to cover some specific mistakes we make when it comes to our kids going through the rough stuff right? Like when life throws them a curveball and they have a rough day and they're upset and they're in a bad mood. And all we want to do is fix it. And I am going to teach you, I'm not going to leave you with just the mistakes because I'm not about that. I'm about remedies. That's probably why I go into fix it mode with my kids, as I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to, because if you're the kind of parent that listens to parenting podcasts, you probably want to fix your child's upset anytime you see them going through the hard stuff too. So I'm going to teach you guys uh, really the best tool out there for actually fixing the upset when your kids are going through something hard. I'm also going to tell you a little bit more about the backstory of my life and how I came to this how I came to this tool, how I learned about this part of changing the conversation. And my my goal is, is that I want to teach you guys these things that took me a long time to kind of connect the dots on because if I can help any other parent out there learn this stuff in a, a quicker way than it took me, like 20 years to learn, uh, then I will consider that a major success. So I came into motherhood and I had this goal and I didn't really realize that I had this goal for my kids to have just a super happy childhood, happier childhood than I had. And I am never a person that identifies with, you know, well, poor pitiful me. It's not like that at all. But I just had this mission that I wanted my kids to have a magical childhood. And I just think that life gets complicated in the time that we've got in our lives as humans to have really this existence that involves a lot of magic is during the moment of childhood. And so I wanted my kids to have that. So then fast forward, I have a baby and that baby cries all the freaking time, like all the time. I couldn't get him to sleep. I couldn't get him to nurse. It was like obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And I joke that back then, 20 years ago, it wasn't such a common thing to wear your babies or where I don't live in California or anywhere, you know crunchy and cool. I live in Houston. And so even nursing wasn't really, uh, it just wasn't, I didn't see people nursing their babies everywhere. I didn't see people holding and wearing their babies everywhere. And I joke that I had to Wear my baby and a baby Bjorn because I just wanted to make a sandwich. And I literally had a hard time putting him down. It was like every time I put him down, he would startle. Every time he was going to sleep, he would sleep for a few minutes and then he would startle and he would wake up and he would cry. And um and I was just like on a mission to figure this stuff out. So I started reading all these books that at any other time in my life I would have thought were the most boring books ever but they were just books about child development and how to schedule your baby, how to get your baby to sleep. I just went into major research and fact finder mode. And then the way my brain is wired, which I understand now is I will research things when I'm faced with a challenge and then I jump into action. So I read from Dr. Sears, which was co-sleeping with your baby and a lot about attachment parenting to baby-wise, like how to schedule your baby in a super rigid, regimented way, which did not come naturally to my brain. And then I just kind of piecemealed different parts of it and stuck it together and, and just kind of figured out a method that worked for my baby. So fast forward to him being in school and I just always knew that there was something I kind of wanted to figure out. He was, he was just um, irritable. He was just irritable a lot. And he wasn't irritable towards other people. It was, it was from a very young age. I would send him out into the world, whether it was preschool uh, or with grandparents. And he was okay, but he would come back and he would just kind of unload when it was safe and he was back home. And I moved him to a private school in third grade because I felt like he needed a smaller environment because it was just like the day was so exhausting for him. So he would go out into the world. He was fine at school, but then he would come home and he was just, it was like the hours from after school until bedtime, they were never ending. And so I felt like I had to have eyes in the back of my head. And once I had another baby there too, it just was a lot. So I was just always on this mission to try and figure him out. So in third grade, when I moved him to a new school, I was volunteering and I was kind of you know in the classrooms helping and volunteering and just kind of staying close by, just sensed that when I was close by, he seemed to feel maybe safer in the world. And, uh, and he had been coming home saying, you know, the teachers at this school, they kind of yell a lot. And so about a month into him being at this new school, I called the principal and I'm like, what is going on? I feel like I've been duped. What I I heard, I was there volunteering at 10 o'clock in the morning and the school was kind of this open concept. So you could hear in the other classrooms. And I'm like, I heard this teacher yelling at the kids at 10 o'clock in the morning, like, you know, like an exhausted mom at the end of the day. But the thing is, is that she's she's not the mom, she's the teacher. And this is a professional environment. And I don't understand why you have teachers yelling at kids. And even though she wasn't necessarily yelling at my kid, my kid was very much affected by yelling and loud noises and that kind of angry tone. And I knew it wasn't you know, there's also the justice seeker in me where I was just like, this is not right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And she said, you know what, we're about to undergo this new discipline uh, method for classroom management for the teachers called conscious discipline. Maybe you want to learn about it with our staff and be our parent liaison. I think the principal just kind of, I was like, in her mind, she was probably thinking helicopter mom, Uh, how can I shut this lady up? So I'll give her a job. So she gave me the job. So I started learning about conscious discipline, which is really a program designed for teachers. And I was fascinated by it. And I started going to trainings and I flew out to Florida. I mean, she gave me a job. I took it seriously. And this was something that was going to affect my kid. I was all in. So I started learning about conscious discipline and very quickly I became kind of the resident expert. And before I knew it, I was um, the principal was kind of letting me teach her teachers about this program, this classroom management program. And as I was learning it, I w- it was a very brain based and there was a lot of science. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm a little bit of a skeptic. And so once I started learning about what's going on in our brains when we are losing our cool like what's being triggered from our brains and why we lose our cool and what's going on with us hormonally. I was absolutely fascinated. There was a lot of neuroscience in it. And it was really, um, it's really a phenomenal program. If you ever have the opportunity to send, I know the whole state of Florida, I think trains their teachers, their public school teachers in conscious discipline. It is such a phenomenal program. If you ever have the opportunity to send your kids to a conscious discipline school, like do it because it is a phenomenal program. So so I was working with the teachers and I bought a curriculum and I I translated it into a parenting program. And this is before really like conscious parenting was a buzz term. It was before Dr. Shafali had come on the scene. And this is like, I don't know now probably not 15 years ago, but maybe about 12 or 13 years ago. And, uh, and so I started teaching parenting classes, and I would teach these parenting classes based on how these tools were working in my home. And, um, and so something that I started noticing was that people started saying, like my students started saying to me, oh, I wish I could just phrase things the way you do. And I said, well, that's not the point. It's not the point to phrase it exactly like I do. The point is, is just to understand these concepts and to figure out what your language is. So fast forward, I was saying to my husband, I need more tools. I feel like I need more tools because people keep trying to hire me to teach them to learn these phrases and these tools in the language that I teach them. And it just feels kind of weird teaching a class one-on-one and I need more tools. So I went and I did a coach, like a year long coach training program with Martha Beck. And, um, and she's kind of like the original life coach. Uh, she's one of Oprah's people. She's written for Oprah for years and she was on the Oprah show very early on. And what I learned was a bunch of of tools to help me understand my mind. That's where master mind parenting comes in, where you're mastering the thoughts in your mind, and um, and I call those the Jedi mind tricks. Okay, where you really start to uncover what's going on for you during these triggered moments. So. What I do now is I teach the parenting philosophies, which are really conscious discipline or conscious parenting philosophies, and I combine them with the mind managing tricks and tools. And this is the magic formula. And this is really how the productive conversation was born. Because what I learned was, was once I started learning what was going on in my brain, What was going on in my kid's brain, especially my strong-willed child, the one who was born into this world from a place of the world is overstimulating, and the way I deal with it being overstimulating as a tiny baby is to cry, 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 cry. And then as he got older, he was just kind of exhausted and overstimulated by the world out there. I started understanding his perspective and I stopped making his behavior mean something different than it actually did. And, and, and through this process, right, through this productive conversation process, the approach that I used was that I, I realized that I couldn't fix or happy up or control my child when he was feeling irritable, that was just him telling me that his body was feeling kind of maxed out at the moment. He was having some kind of big feeling or big emotion, and he would display that with irritability. And the more I kind of went back to my original goal, which is my kids need to have a happy childhood. They need to have a happy childhood. Every time he showed up as irritable, it was almost like it was evidence in my brain that I was failing at my job that I wasn't giving him this happy childhood. And so I had every attempt and every mistake that I made to try and fix him or happy him up, it would backfire on me, even to the point that there were times where he would just get super defensive. And he would even say to me, there is nothing wrong with me. Like he was basically saying, stop trying to fix me. Like, let me just have these emotions. I am feeling maxed out. And I just need you to hold some space for me and stop trying to jump into action and solutions constantly. And so and so what I, I I realize is that you know we help our strong-willed kids or really any kid that's experiencing a big emotion, we help them from being so defiant, like we help them shift from being so defiant by just simply using empathy and holding space for them so that they are able to process those big emotions. So the mistake I made and I still make is about being a fixer, happying them up, right? When they experience upset, we jump into that solution place and it is not helpful. It just makes them more defensive. What really works to help people feel better is that they just want to feel seen and heard rather than getting advice dumped all over them. They just want empathy. They want us to see their perspective. They want us to hear them. And they mostly want to find their own answers, right? And for us to just simply support them. So They may end up wanting us to help problem solve whatever they're going through, but they want us to wait to be invited. And the thing is, is that they really ultimately, everybody wants to become resilient. It's the ability that the definition of resilience is the ability to recover quickly from difficulties. And, you know, this is a problem for parents like us because we want them to be resilient. But it feels counterintuitive when they're upset because we desperately want to take away the hurt because what do good parents do? We keep our little cave people safe physically and emotionally. So whenever they tell us that they're experiencing something hard, our natural, intuitive, good good parent self wants to jump into action and fix it. And that's why we jump in with all of our well-meaning words of wisdom and we want to give them, you know, all kinds of tools and it feels annoying and frustrating for them. And it can also even feel, y'all are going to hate this, but it's, it can feel controlling really because they know that they're capable of solving their own problems or they want to at least be able to try to solve their own problems. So if we think they're broken and in need of fixing, right? In those moments when they're upset, we jump into fixing, but ultimately no person ever feels empowered when the when they think the people around them see them as broken. That's why they become defensive, and that's why they end up shutting down because they really in those moments they see us as being know-it-alls, and as we all know, nobody likes a know-it-all. So we want to do the opposite right? We want to do the opposite, especially when they're little. This is the reason for teenage rebellion, you guys, because when our kids have been being fixed for so many years, it's like my son, he was like, there is nothing wrong with me. It was like, he wanted to just tell me, I have my own answers. If you can just hold some space and give me some downtime when I come back from this super overstimulating world of, you know, of the day that I was just involved in, if you can just give me some downtime, hold some space and stop trying to freaking fix me, I'm going to find my own answers. And the more that I tried to jump into that because of my own my brain constantly being on that mission to give my kids the happiest childhood ever, right? I He saw that as controlling and it made him super defensive and annoyed with me. So this is the hard work. The hard work is you got to duct tape your mouth during these moments. You got to retrain your brain and, and the solution is to jump into action listening. This is the magical tool. We do this by becoming a sounding board and mirroring back rather than jumping into solutions or teaching. We're not going to give new information. So when our kids are are having a moment of upset, we're going to hold space for them. We're going to just allow it. We're going to give them some alone time, right? And when they actually share with you whatever's going on, All you're going to do is be an active listener by kind of reflecting back what they're feeling, not in a word for word way. You just are there with them, right? And so you're going to maybe just let them know through your gestures, through your tone, through just using a few key words that they say that you get their perspective and you're not going to offer any advice. And when you do this consistently, when you just act as this kind of safe space, this soft place to land, where you absorb their words as a sounding board, you kind of mirror back their experience through, mm, I get it. Oh, you hate lacrosse. <sighs> Wow, you know, it sounds like that coach is really tough. Oh, it's aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, kids get hurt. I see that could be scary. You know, you're just going to, it's just like little phrases that let them know that you get where they're coming from and you don't have any solutions. You're just allowing them to be there in whatever they're feeling. And you're here to just kind of absorb it and let them know, hey, I'm here. I'm sitting in the mud with you. I don't really have the answers, um, but I'm here. And so when you do that consistently, you guys, that's when they will start to ask you, well, what do you, what do you think I should do? And all of a sudden. The problem solving will happen. The silver lining lessons that you want to point out, it will happen, but it's only after they feel like you really are allowing them to process through their their big emotions, find that place of resilience, and that you believe in them and that you're right here with them. Trust me, if you guys have little ones and you can't even imagine what it's like to get to the teenage years, right? Right. Teenage rebellion happens for a reason. It's because kids are sick of being lectured to. They're sick of us trying to fix them. And when they get to te- to be teenagers, they want to do the opposite of whatever they think we want them to do because they want to be their own little independent people. And so when we change the conversation in this way by Stopping this need to happy them up and fix them and just shifting to the place of active listening and holding space, that's when they're actually going to invite us into their life and to help them. And they're going to allow us to help them through the hard moments. It's sort of like it's super healing. Because it's super healing for us when they let us do that, because what you get to do is you get to be there for them like you would have loved to have your parents there for you during those hard times. But unfortunately, our parents, most of our parents, they didn't know how to do this because it feels there, a lot of them that, you know, they were good parents like we're good parents. And they, uh, they didn't know how to do that at the time, but now we have access to different tools like mirroring back and active listening. That is really a tool that a lot of therapists use, but it wasn't necessarily a mainstream source of information back when our parents were the parents of young kids. So utilize this resource, practice it just like me. You're going to find many times where you accidentally shift into the fixing and the happying them up and your kids will shut down and they'll start being defensive. And uh, you can just backtrack and say, okay, whoa, 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 sorry, that's not what I meant to do. So tell me more about how you're feeling. And then you're just going to reflect back and let them know that you get it and that you're willing to hold space for them. So that is the game changing tool for today is that we're going to shift from constantly being the fixers to just being the space holders and waiting to be asked if our kids want us to add some kind of of new piece of information to help them solve a problem. But for the most part, most people want to come to their own answers. They want to foster their own ability to be resilient. They don't want other people to constantly give them the answers. It's when you come to your own conclusions that you really own it in a way that you feel so proud of yourselves when you, you, you feel so proud when you have overcome something challenging and you learn something from it and you realize like, I did that. I got through that and I'm okay. I survived. So that's what we want to do for our kids. So I hope this was helpful and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. At Mastermind Parenting, we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. And if this sounds like something you want to learn more about, then I have a gift for you. You can grab a copy of my best-selling book, The Parent Gap. It's my signature recipe for raising confident and kind kids, even if you have a strong-willed one. So go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash book to get your free copy mailed directly to your doorstep.